Welcome to Modern Food Thinking. This is your host, Chef Jerome Picka, along with co-host Rachel Lucas, owner of Fueling Strong. This show is brought to you by Spazio Rosso Interior Design, and here we present to you our unique perspectives on food as it relates to health and wellness. In today's show, we will be talking about vitamins and dietary supplements and how they can affect your overall health. Listeners, I'd like you to please remember that we are not offering medical advice or advocating a particular manner of medical treatment. Always consult with your doctor before making any changes to your health care and understand the science behind your treatments. We are just two professionals having a nice little chat to educate you based on our areas of expertise. So Rachel, I was talking to my mom last night and I told her I would mention her in today's podcast and she is 80 years old and was wondering not only why should she be mentioned in our show, but whether she should get her hair done. I explained to her what a podcast was and to absolutely go ahead and get your hair done. Our listeners will love it. I reminded her about the daily children's vitamin pills that she made me take every morning as a kid. Of course, she didn't have a clue whether they were doing harm or not, but she was advertised and marketed to in such a clever way that uh, as a parent and parents even to this day thought that they were doing the right thing. I remember as a kid munching away on Flintstones, chewy vitamins. And, um, you know, my parents were doing the same thing. It was marketed that your diet doesn't have enough nutrients in it. Kids need multivitamins to grow. And I remember those things. I can't even imagine what's on the ingredient list now as an adult, as a professional in this field. But I remember they tasted like candy. We didn't eat a lot of candy as kids. And I loved them. I used to like sneak extra ones when no one was looking. Who knows what kind of damage I did. Yeah. It almost makes me wonder how much sugar were in those vitamins. I mean, uh, God, if they tasted great for kids, you have to make them sweet. And what health benefit are you really getting from those multivitamins aimed and marketed to kids? And parents don't know. They weren't doing the research. I don't know. What, would you agree with that? Absolutely. I mean, I think most of our listeners can relate that doing research on nutrition and what people need is is so overwhelming. And if you're a parent, you have kids, you have a job, you have a life, you're trying to do all of that, you're not going to spend your time studying and learning and understanding exactly what's going on. If your doctor, if your um, you know, community is saying your child needs this, you're going to do what you think is best for your kids. Of course. Yeah. As a parent, you, you're definitely going to do what you think is best for your kids. And you, you go off what you're hearing and and assume that the science is solid. And it's often not the science, it's the marketing. So I was going to start this episode off with a few fun facts and cited research in order to set the stage for our discussion. Uh, after I bore our listeners nearly to death, I will beg you to please cut me off, Rachel, and take over because I've got a lot of science here. Uh, and and our listeners, if, if you're not, if you're new to our podcast, you should understand that I like to talk a lot about the science of, of food as it relates to our, our health and nutrition. And for those listeners who are accustomed to our podcast, you already know that. So let me start off with a few facts. First of all, it's worth noting that Americans spend $28 billion on multivitamins per year. $12 billion of that is spent by adults and the rest on children for 
which for me is, is it's a pretty scary thought. Uh, because if you start taking multivitamins at an early age, it is so much easier to form it into a habit for life. And the negative effects that that has over time are much more damaging to your overall health. Multivitamins and target-specific vitamins are big business, but according to a recent editorial in the Annals of Internal Medicine, multivitamins are not only a waste of money, but some vitamins may even be harmful. It's not an opinion of mine. This is based on research. And I'll point out uh, the two researchers that um, I'm citing. Uh, One is Dr. Edgar Miller of Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, and the other is Dr. Lawrence Appel, the director of the Johns Hopkins Welch Center for Prevention, Epidemiology, and Clinical Research. Their conclusions were drawn from 27 separate studies on the efficacy of multivitamins and mineral supplements, and their paper was titled, Enough is Enough, Stop Wasting Money on Vitamin and Mineral Supplements, published in 2014. To sum it up, they found that daily multivitamins were ineffective at preventing cancer, heart disease, and dementia, amongst other things. And let me just point out some prior studies, which, which have shown, for example, that supplemental beta-carotene and high doses of vitamin E supplements could actually be harmful. And in one study that I'll cite of 450,000 people, it was concluded that multivitamins did not reduce the risk for heart disease or cancer. And again, this is from a different publication, the U.S. Preventative Services Task Force, and, and it was published in 2013. Let me point out one other study that tracked the mental functioning and multivitamin use of 5,947 men for 12 years, 12 years, and found that multivitamins did not reduce the risk for mental decline. Again, this was published in the Annals of Internal Medicine and the American College of Physicians in 2013. And the last study I will mention before shutting up and losing our listeners to boredom is a paper published in 2006 by researchers Huang Caballero, Chang, Nikolova, and a few others. They detailed the results of clinical trials involving tens of thousands of people taking vitamin supplements. And they showed that beta-carotene, vitamin E, possible high doses of vitamin A, and multivitamin supplements increased mortality and have no clear benefit. Rachel, I'm not sure where their sleeves are, listeners, but I definitely know what I want to do, and that is to turn the conversation over to you because I am almost out of breath, and there must be a vitamin for that. (laughs) That's true. There seems like... Uh, there's a vitamin or mineral or supplement for every problem people might have. Uh, And this is a topic um, I chat about a lot with my clients. One of the first questions I often hear is, shouldn't I be taking a multivitamin? I almost always answer no. And then people look at me like I have six heads. What do you mean? No vitamins, no supplements, no pills. Don't I need more blank insert anything there? Vitamin D, iron, zinc, calcium, you know, whatever. And my first point I usually make to people is that micronutrients, which is the broad term referring to vitamins and minerals, should not be lumped together. So there are certain combinations that reduce the ability of the nutrients to be absorbed by the body. So that multi you're taking, chances are there are nutrients in there that are competing to be absorbed. Uh, The second point um, is that there are often cofactors to micronutrient 
absorption. So multis don't take that into consideration either. And a lot of even single vitamin supplements don't as well. An example of this is vitamin D is best absorbed in the presence of vitamin K, but you don't always see those together. So you could be taking a vitamin D supplement that your body can't really even do anything with. Another point is that supplements are often looking for the cheapest way to put their products together. You mentioned um, the billions of dollars people are spending annually on supplements. And what that comes down to is that these supplement companies are just big businesses looking to make a profit and looking to make money off of people who are looking to become healthier. So often they find the cheapest way to put their product together. They don't always take the best form of the micronutrient and put it into the pill you are buying. So some types of minerals and vitamins are more or less available when consumed than other types. An example of this is magnesium. You can find magnesium as magnesium citrate, magnesium oxide, magnesium chloride. There's a few more, but you get my point. And all that means is that the magnesium is bound to another mineral or another substance. And some of those are better available to our systems than others, but we too often blindly believe a vitamin bottle has the best ingredients for us, even though that's often not true. And the last point I want to make is uh, maybe a funny one. People tend to get a little bit weird when I bring this up, but have you ever noticed that after you take a multivitamin, your pee often turns a really bright yellow color and often has a really strong smell to it? Well, that means that you're peeing out the multivitamin that you just took. For most people, what's in that pill is so much more than our body needs and also so much more than our bodies can absorb in one dose. You end up peeing out most of it anyways. Yeah, I, Rachel, I love your talking points. And though some of our listeners may be uncomfortable talking about bodily functions, too bad. It's normal. And you know what? We all have the same plumbing. What you were saying is important for people to know. So I'm going to just jump back to uh, Dr. Appel and, and uh, throw out a quote of his, and that is, pills are not a shortcut to better health and the prevention of chronic diseases. Other nutrition recommendations have much stronger evidence of benefits, such as eating a healthy diet, maintaining a healthy weight, and reducing the amount of saturated fat, trans fat, sodium, and sugar you eat. Rachel, you and I have talked about this extensively in previous episodes um, regarding using food as medicine. And I'm a big proponent of this, and I would love to see more people use this approach to better health. I think you think along the same lines. I couldn't agree more. Unfortunately, we live in a world where everyone wants a quick fix or a magic pill, seven days to total health. You've heard those catchy taglines. Uh, but you really need to put the work in to eat a real whole food diet, exercise, spend time in the sunlight, spend time outdoors, and you'll quickly find that your body does not need some pill created in a science lab. Yeah, very good point. Uh, the one exception I would concede, and again, this is my personal opinion, uh, but it is based on medical uh, research, is that supplemental folic acid for women in pregnancy prevents neural uh, tube defects in babies when women take it before and during early pregnancy. And that's why multivitamins are recommended for young women. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, for example, recommends that all women of reproductive age get 
400 micrograms folic acid daily. Now, I'm no expert on this, and I'm not a woman. Rachel, you might have more insight into this than I do. Absolutely. So uh, I, I completely agree. There is always a time and a place for supplementation. The research I have read on folic acid specifically has actually shown some research that supplemental folic acid is better absorbed than its natural counterpart, which is a, the B9 vitamin. Uh, that's pretty uncommon. Usually things found naturally in our foods are more readily available for our bodies to absorb. There are always caveats to that, and this is one of them. So again, there is a time and a place to add supplements under professional supervision and taking into consideration the quality of the supplement being taken and the reason behind it. No, that's a great point. And I want to make it clear to our listeners again that we are not advocating cutting out all vitamins and mineral supplements forever. I recognize that there are times when your doctor will prescribe a supplement because you may be deficient one way or another. My biggest takeaway point is the wholesale misuse of supplements in general, as though they're a panacea for fixing any health issues. What my mother was facing when I was a child, and, and Rachel, when, when you were a child, it was take your multivitamins. And we don't really know why, but we're just told to do so because it shows up in a commercial on ABC or CBS News. Uh, anyway, one thing we did not cover in a previous episode uh, on fats and oils was the benefit of omega-3 fatty acid, which I'd love to touch on. Anyway, this is a uh, healthy polyunsaturated fat that the body uses to build uh, brain cell membranes and may help protect. And I can't stress enough that it may. Uh, the science is uh, still inconclusive on this, but it may help protect against heart disease, stroke cancer, and inflammatory bowel disease. Uh, omega-3 fatty acids can be found in fatty fish like salmon, tuna, and mackerel. And for those people who are leery of concentrations of heavy metals in these top feeders, I strongly recommend consuming sea plants, which a lot of you might not understand what that means. But sea plants are the proper name for what you might call seaweed. Uh, please don't call it seaweed. It, it is properly called sea plants give you some examples. Spirulina, Irish moss, kombu, wakame, nori, and they're great alternatives for omega-3 fatty acids. And of course, omega-3 fatty acid dietary supplements can be found commercially available. Uh, but I can't help but wonder why it's necessary to take a supplement when the real deal is easily available in the form of fresh foods, particularly homegrown, naturally grown, or organically grown. Uh, along with eating foods high in omega-3 fatty acids, you gain the benefits of fiber and phytonutrients in the case of sea plants and proteins in the case of fish. I do agree with you. Again, people are all too quick to pop a pill instead of investigating what they might need uh, or what they might need it for and how they could get it in a much more enjoyable way. You can't tell me that sitting down and enjoying a big plate of food would be a much better experience than popping an omega-3 pill. With that being said, I actually do supplement myself with an omega-3. There are a handful of supplements that I take. Uh, another note on omega-3s that you didn't touch on is that they can act on the anti-inflammatory processes in our bodies. It's one of the reasons the oils we put into our system are so important. If you have a diet high in omega-6s, which is what you'll find in the standard American diet, those are all pro-inflammatory 
And then omega-3s will counter that by being a little bit more anti-inflammatory. With that being said, uh, a good omega-3 supplement is really hard to find. And often when research is done on the actual makeup of the pill that people are taking, researchers are finding that the fatty acid in the supplements have already gone rancid by the time people are consuming it. You know, the, you're, this is why we make such a good team because I hadn't thought about the, uh, uh, or I hadn't thought to bring up the uh, anti-inflammatory properties of omega-3 fatty acids and the rancidity factor. I hadn't thought about that for uh, my own consumption too, because I, I do take some, sometimes I'll take uh, uh, omega-3 fatty acid uh, supplements or I will take a thing that I used to have as a child uh, it was, and it's awful. And that uh, is uh, castor oil and, and then uh, uh, cod liver oil. My parents used to, and my grandfather, especially old school, uh, would, would give that to me. I mentioned that to my mother yesterday in our conversation and she remembers taking it as a child. I remember taking it as a child. We both agreed that it was awful tasted awful. Uh, but the rancidity factor, I mean, I, I really should have taken that into consideration. But, you know, as a chef, seriously, I should have thought about that. What kind of chef am I? Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, here's something interesting. <laughs> right, right. Good point. As long as I'm not cooking with it. <laughs> uh, here's something interesting I did want to share with our listeners. Uh, um, and with you, Rachel, I, I received an issue last uh, summer of uh, publication called Experience Life. And this, um, I finally got around to reading it around September of 2020. And there was an article that stood out for me and it was titled Go To Fitness Supplements. And I thought it would be an interesting read. I put it aside, I came back to it and it was well, um, let's just say it was uh, interesting. That's all I'll say about it uh, regarding my opinion. The article provided uh, guidelines on what to consider before taking supplements. Sounds like a great start uh, because I think it's important to factor in what you eat in general, whether you exercise and what your uh, genetic biomarkers are before jumping into fistfuls of vitamins and mineral supplements. And in the article, the guidelines included proteins such as glutamine and creatine, along with branch-chain amino acids, that, which are the four amino acids that play a role in catabolism of micronutrients in muscle tissue, ammonia detoxification of glutamine in muscle tissue, and managing the uh, damaging effects of uh, liver cirrhosis. I thought this is a great start. And Rachel, this is not far off from our previous discussions. After a lot of reading, digesting, no pun intended, and rummaging through the data, the main point uh, in this article was that dietary supplements are designed to supplement the food you eat, not replace it. It took three pages to get to this. But the last point for me was the only good thing in, in, in the three-page article. You should manage your natural food consumption and supplement the lack of nutrients with vitamin supplements, particularly target-specific vitamins as prescribed by your doctor. And that's, that's an important uh, notation. Uh, it, they have to be target specific based on your, your diet or, or and I, I hate using the word diet, but when I say diet in this context, I'm referring to what you generally eat. You hit the nail on the head. Supplements are meant to be just that they must supplement a real whole food and diverse diet. And again, I think this speaks for both of us. When we use the word diet, we're just talking about the food you put into your mouth, not a specific diet to follow. 
Um, I do believe there is a time and a place for supplements for a variety of reasons that vary person to person. There cannot be a one-size-fits-all approach to supplementation, which is why the idea of a multivitamin is crazy. No company can tell me that every single woman in their 50s needs the exact same pill, yet that's what they're selling. And unfortunately, it's an opportunity for big companies to make billions of dollars on desperate people who are just trying to be healthier and live longer. Yeah, well said, Rachel. You speak for women everywhere. Uh, I, I can't do that. I'm not a woman. I, I don't have the same experience. But I, uh, I just wanted to throw, throw something out that there are times through, throughout my life that I've had to take dietary supplements as prescribed by my doctor. Because you go through periods. I know I, I have personally, I've gone through periods in my life where my diet has changed. My, my types of the types of work workouts that I do have changed as you know, my twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, they're different. What I did in my twenties are, are different than what I did in what I'm doing now. And my doctor prescribes, Oh, take vitamin A because you're, you're running low on vitamin A or, or, or vitamin D. I'm not getting enough vitamin D because I'm not out in the sunlight enough. Um, and, and that changed when I started getting back into cycling. Uh, I just wanted to throw that out as a personal thing. So listen, for our listeners, you're all going to go through these kinds of periods and there's nothing wrong with, with taking vitamin supplements when they're prescribed by your doctor when necessary. However, it is important to follow the advice, medical advice, professional medical advice versus uh, marketing and, and advertising that you, you would see on, on television and, and uh, other places magazines and, and newspaper articles and, or wherever you get your news. I just want people to be aware of what the downsides are for taking multivitamins uh, over, over use of pres- uh, targeted specific vitamins and mineral supplements. And, and that's generally the, the uh, aim for this particular podcast episode. Rachel, I'm I don't know if you have anything that you wanted to close with uh, because we're approaching the end of our podcast. I will add one thing about talking to your doctor about supplements and our listeners will soon learn about me or it'll start to come out. I have had some less than positive experiences with mainstream medical professionals. And I think one of the biggest mistakes we make as patients is whatever your doctor says, you blindly agree to. So if your doctor is telling you to take a multivitamin, don't be scared to ask questions and ask your doctor, do I really need a multi? Do I really need everything in here? Could you be more specific? Can you run run an extensive blood panel and tell me exactly what nutrients I'm deficient in? Can I target those? Uh, And it can be an awkward conversation. We tend to allow our doctors to dictate exactly what we should do. And I am not a doctor. I am not a medical professional. You have to do what you're comfortable with. But for our listeners, I think it's important to make a little note about medical professionals in that they do not have extensive knowledge on nutrition. So don't be scared to push them and ask a few more questions before you take anything that they suggest. Yeah, that you know, that's a that's a I'm glad you brought that up. There's before we even close this episode, there's one thing I, I think I could squeeze in here as a question for, for you, Rachel, and that could pro- probably help our listeners. And that is, in my opinion, 
I think doctors, especially Western medicine doctors, they're they're having to take in so much information. They're trained in so many areas of of medicine, but they're not nutritionists. And I I don't mean that in a disparaging way, but let's face it, there's only so much a person can know. There's a limit to what you can know and learn and understand and still practice as a as a professional but i don't see my doctors as having an expert level of knowledge on nutrition they have an expert knowledge on your blood tests show uh, or your urine tests show that you're deficient in this particular you know that that's just reading data and that, and that's fine i can't fault them for that and so they read the data and they say, okay, you need to take a multivitamin for this for X number of, of weeks or, or a period of time. But uh, I, I, I don't hold them to the standard of, of being new, experts in nutrition. And they give the best advice that they can. I, you know, that's my opinion. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. Um, I have heard from doctors that in their eight years of schooling, doctors get 12 hours of a nutrition class. So imagine how much you can learn in 12. I know how much research and education and studying and learning I've done on nutrition, and it is exponentially higher than 12 hours. And I'm sure, Jerome, you can say the same. Yeah, I. as soon as you said that, immediately my mouth dropped. And I was about to say, holy shirt, but our episode is not about clothing. It's about nutrition <laughs> and and uh, food health. So uh, I'll stay away from shirts. I'll say, holy cow instead. <laughs> and uh, I, I got to say that uh, that's pretty, that's pretty eye-opening. Eight hours. Eight hours, right? That's what 12 you said. 12 hours, 12 hours in hours. eight years. Unbelievable. In eight years, 12 hours. Yeah. I mean, there, and I get it. There's only so much, so much you could you could be exposed to, and 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 try to t try to learn and understand. And and the goal is to get out there and start providing proper healthcare for individuals. And and you know, there are specialists who are trained in food health and nutrition. You and Absolutely. I, for example, <laughs> how about that? And you know, some of the best doctors that I've spoken to when they learn what I do for a living and they learn that I'm a nutritionist, they'll kind of joke and say, well, you can teach me something. And they don't ask me about my diet. They don't really talk to me about that because the best doctors understand that they can't know everything. Everyone's an expert in something. I am so thankful that there's doctors and surgeons out there that are keeping me healthy and doing amazing research and doing amazing things. It's important for everyone in any field to know what you don't know and be able to refer out to someone that does know that. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? We can all learn from each other. And then, and that's part of the reason why we do this podcast, because we want to educate our listeners on uh, food health and nutrition. And we, uh, we hope that uh, our listeners are gaining some information that they can use, and certainly they can always reach out to us. We did not have enough time in today's podcast to get to our questions that were sent in. However, we will reach out uh, individually and in private to the, uh, the people who've emailed some questions to us. Ow. 
We do, however, have to close this podcast, and I would like to mention at this point that you can listen to this podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Alexa, through the free app for iOS and Android, or wherever you get your podcasts. To sign up for Rachel's private coaching sessions, visit her website at fuelingstrong.com. To sign up for private group or general cooking classes with me, visit chef-jerome.com. This is Jerome Pekka. And this is Rachel Lucas. From both of us, we hope you stay well, eat well, and be well.